Welcome back in another week of the Brewery Adventures podcast. I'm your host, as always, David McKinney. And this week we are staying in Cincinnati. Well, sort of Cincinnati. I don't know. It uh, depends on who you talk to. But uh, if you followed Cincinnati Craft Beer for uh, probably the last at least five to six years, at least, uh, you know, since I've lived in Cincinnati, uh, this guy's definitely been very active. Um, been doing it uh, basically longer than pr- pretty much anybody at this point, but uh, you know him as the Gnarling Gnome, also the host of the Sensi Brewcast, and he's uh, gracious enough to join me on my new humble podcast where uh, I talk about Cincinnati sometimes, uh, but then also talk about uh, places from all over the place. But today we're talking about Braxton Brewing, and I know that uh, you've done a ton of uh, gnome on on Braxton. Um, just looking at your website, thegnarlygnome.com, uh, you have a ton of, of information on Braxton. And I figured you were the perfect person to talk about Braxton. I I, I think I am. I, I've <laughs> drank Braxton a lot over the years. It's Braxton kind of started right at the same time we were starting Cincy Brewcast. So there's always been kind of a, a kinship there. I think that uh, I've always felt kind of attached to that brewery because you know we kind of we started the podcast at the same time they were starting and kind of grew up with them so um i can definitely talk me some braxton (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh you know one thing i always love to talk about is how the brewery got started um you know they opened up their hq in 2015 um but the story obviously starts before that uh and the, the hq is in is their location in covington so uh evan rouse when he was 16 years old uh became a uh, passionate about home brewing, as every 16-year-old uh, is <laughs> is passionate about, right? Um, but uh, lived in Union, Kentucky, and uh, the name of their street is actually Braxton, I think, Drive. But yeah. uh, his um, brother and then father eventually joined him and decided, hey, let's make this a, a thing. Um, and and you know, started brewing in the garage, and that's always kind of been part of their their theme is, is the garage and, and we'll talk about the tap rooms kind of individually, but definitely their HQ. When you go in there, it feels like a garage. They have a big garage door for their, at least for their downstairs uh, uh, event space, but it definitely just feels like a big garage. And I think that, you know, they, you know, to them, it sounds, it seems like, and, you know, kind of reading the story on their website and, and kind of knowing them, uh, the garage is more than just the garage, right? It's the, it's the, you know, space where everyone hangs out, you know, uh, either on the weekends or during the week. And, um, you know, it's where obviously the, the brewing happened, but yeah, um, it, well, it's kind of a cool, you know, a, a typical, but ca- sort of not typical kind of Genesis story for, for Braxton. You know, when when you hear that story of how Evan kind of got into home brewing, it kind of gives you a good insight onto kind of how they how they approach all these things. He was in the back seat of the car. Well, they were dropping off his his bigger brother Jake, who, who we all know now from Braxton, but they were dropping him off at college and um, stopped for lunch at a brew pub, and you know got their their pizza or whatever it was, but then also took a tour of the brewery, and that was kind of his introduction to brewing. Well, he obsessed over it immediately. And then in the from the back seat of the car on the way home, sat there on his phone and ordered a home brewing kit. And then just when they got home, he's like, Hey, dad, I just bought this <laughs> ten years old. You can't, can't legally drink the beer. And that's kind of that's very much how in, in my opinion, how Evan kind of approaches things. He he gets something in his head and then he tears it apart and figures it out and then recreates it in the way that he thinks it needs to be done. And that's every product that they've done. They've approached kind of that way, everything from, you know, the, the big beers and stuff like that to, you know, Vive, which is, is <laughs> yeah. he alcoholic water? Uh, I mean, we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about Vive. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course the, the elephant in the room, but uh, yeah, I always, you know, one thing that, that, you know, the, the story of Braxton always makes me think of my, my brothers-in-law uh, they're actually twins. And um, 
you know, they were, I think, 18 or 19 uh, when they brewed beer for the first time. And, and and they are both engineering and it's, you know, but they're also into like music and things like that. So they're very, uh, you know, left-brained and right-brained and brewing has always been something that's fascinated them from, you know, from the chemistry side as, as a you know, and also from the, the art side as well. But uh, it always makes me laugh, like none of the ingredients in beer individually are, are legal to buy but for them, but they, <laughs> but, uh, they, they can't go into a, a tap room and buy a beer or go into a Kroger and buy beer. So that's always made me kind of chuckle. But, uh, yeah, when, when we've done like some home brewing, they're, they're very interested in it. And that's what I imagine like 16 year old, uh, Evan Rouse being like, um, well, he, he went from home brewing to, you know, just going full steam into this building, this massive home brewery tap room, almost in their garage. And then got a job at Hofbrau House while he was still underage. (laughs) (laughs) Brewing beer. He was brewing beer at Hofbrau House when he was not legally allowed to drink the beer. Um, The whole the whole story is fascinating to me. How they got started, and even now he's you know he's still young. He's he's in his you know mid thirties and is running a a a brewery that I think they said they had seven million dollars worth of revenue or something last year. Like it's insane the stuff that they're doing. And he's, he's still, he's still a kid, you know? Well, and it, you know, I'm, I'm 31 and, uh, just saw Evan, I think it was yesterday was announced on Forbes 30 under 30. Uh, he's 28 and I'm like, man, I, yeah, I thought he was like, not like old, but definitely older than me. And like, wow, he's still only 28. And, uh, that's, that's kind of, kind of crazy, but congrats to him. That's huge for, uh, you know, for them, I think it was in the, the food and drink category, but very cool that he's in the, the 30 under 30. And I feel like this year, uh, and before, you know, I'll, I'll get to the beer because that's, that's always the fun part of a beer podcast. Right. But yeah, I feel like this year has been a, this year has been such a big year for Braxton. Like they have done so many newsworthy things this year, um, including uh, the reason why I decided to uh, a have you on, but then B do uh, the podcast for Braxton this week is this is dark charge day week. Right. And I, you are drinking uh, some dark charge. So tell us a little bit about the beer that you're drinking. Uh, and so and- I, I dove into uh, last year's stash. I have, I have a pretty good stash of dark charge. Um, locked away in the cellar i have um i have a lot of the original uh, just the base dark charge is still sitting but um i try to get through every year's variants before the next year's dark charge just because i don't want it to take over and i have like a bunch of them left over still so <laughs> lately i've just been looking for any excuse to dive into it and tonight was a great excuse i i went to uh the um the cognac uh x bourbon barrel dark charge so this was um uh, your base dark charge that sat in bourbon barrels, I believe for a full year um, and then got transferred over into cognac barrels where it aged for however long it did. I don't think they tell you on here, but um, it's, it's amazing. It is um, you get all that, that caramel vanilla, all of the stuff you expect from a normal dark charge, the chocolate stuff like that. But then there's this really great fruitiness that comes in from the cognac Um it's it's really surprisingly drinkable for I don't know this one's probably a little lower than the ones are now it's probably yeah eleven percent so yeah, lower <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's delicious they do such a good job with their variants of dark charge I think the last like three three ish years I think they've really kind of dialed that in and figured out where the strength of this beer is and really kind of um, went full force in with it and uh, i'm excited for this here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh and, and we'll we'll talk about that but i feel like dark charge is sort of the local version of that you know big you know russian imperial stout that we get released and you know either a you know they're they always do it the week after usually you know first week of december but obviously black friday kind of you know that is the big uh, bourbon county brand stout release and then i know that they also mentioned that they kind of were huge fans of three four three floyd's dark lord and so they kind of you know took a little bit from both of those and and but then also they've i love that they've made it their own thing like they've kind of come up with their own sort of variants. Um, I remember uh, sitting in the barrel house uh, for my first time, and it was the first time I'd had multiple uh, variants of dark charge um, kind of side by side. I think I had the bananas, foster the mole. And I'm like sitting there like 
drinking them and it's thinking like it's amazing that this is the same beer but the variants have so much different complexities and things like that and i just you know luckily i was drinking tasters because those are like you know 12 14 and i'm like wow these are these are feeling i'm each one goes down uh, easier and easier right but <laughs> yeah they, they've got some some exciting variants of that well it's you know they they've taken like you said the the best of you know this idea of doing a a local release kind of event on a day like like dark lord and um a a, a wide release that a city gets excited about like um like your bourbon county brand stout but then they've also wrapped in this whole local kind of aspect of it when you go to dark charge and i know this year looks a little bit different there's you know live music from local bands there's local restaurants that pe- people that are in covington that you know you then can um drink their or eat their food that is paired with dark charge made with dark charge a lot of times all of that stuff gets wrapped into this event and it becomes something that i especially when they started it a lot of people weren't doing um yeah definitely here locally but um even even much wider than that nobody had really dialed all those aspects in well and and of course you all, of course you also get the the people that camp out overnight to uh, to be the first in line i know you uh i think it was maybe two years ago you did you were interviewing the people in line at, <laughs> at dark charge day and and uh it was a fantastic podcast to, you know, because I feel like beer releases are becoming, you know, fewer and fewer uh, in between. Uh, we don't see as many of them now just because there's so much good beer, which is a good thing. But I feel like there was always that, you know, kind of special like, you know, Christmas morning sort of thing. Uh, that that feeling that that kind of made you feel like you're part of something special and you're waiting in line. And and I think that's, you know, cool that they still, you know, in a normal world have at least one. Uh, event that they they can do a cool re- uh, release. Well, I it's, I'm a Braxton builder, so I back their Kickstarter. So we can pre-order our bottles before the actual event. We don't have to line up in line to get our bottles, which is awesome. But I still every year until this year, because this year's goofy for lots of different reasons. But um, I still show up early in the morning to get there and hang out in line just because you know the bottle share is fantastic the, yeah. the people are fantastic you talked about the people front in line uh, shout out to chris walker from have a drink show i don't know if you listen to have a drink show it's a, another kind of local podcast they they drink and talk about it and um he is i i think he's been first in line every single year first or second in line every <laughs> single year he gets there the night before closes the tap room and then just walks outside and sits down <laughs> and, i'm in line you know, that that whole idea, I think, is just so brilliant to to really tie people into not just the beer release, because a beer release is a beer release, a beer is a beer, but to tie people into this event and this thing that uh, becomes more of a community um, a, a community event, I guess. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's about about dark charge day it's not necessarily just about dark charge it's not just about braxton it's about this whole day where you get there and you hang out with people and have a beer with them yeah i mean we could do that yeah yeah (laughs) when were those days uh but yeah so we could probably do an entire podcast about dark charge and i think you have multiple episodes at least one episode where you you've you've yeah yeah we could talk about it all day but this year um they have some fun and and i think Unfortunately, if you haven't ordered it yet, you might be at least on the original run of bottles. You might be out of luck. I know that a lot of them were going pretty fast, but they've got the original, uh, you know, bourbon barrel aged dark charge, the double mole, which is, uh, you know, a chocolate and cinnamon twist, uh, affogato, which is the, uh, Braxton labs variant, which is, uh, vanilla cold brew coffee and lactose double barrel peach brandy opera cream, which I know a lot of people were curious about this one because there are some famous opera cream at least actually maybe three uh opera <laughs> opera cream beers uh uh the the bon bonnery has released this one's different uh it is uh with what is it papa's candies mm-hmm. uh so cocoa vanilla and lactose and then the the always famous breakfast box so this year's maple breakfast blueberry muffin and cinnamon roll and shout out to you the gnarly for always having everything up there organized so that it's easy for me to be on this podcast and read off. <laughs> Usually everything up there. I have uh, two small children. So sometimes it takes a little while to get things up. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm drinking tonight a beer, you know, Braxton does, uh, they have a lot of core beers and seasonals and 
uh, one that they released this year for the first, I'm assuming for the first time, I've never seen it before, um, is uh, Road Trip. Um, which is part of their, I guess, trip series, which is kind of a little bit more of more underrated. And and I feel like people don't talk about it probably because it's a Berliner Weiss uh, style and that's not necessarily something people get go crazy about. But um, they do a summer trip and a winter trip every year um, and they're both pretty good. And, and, you know, you can see them in cans this year. They did, a, a, I guess, a fall version called Road Trip. It's a Berliner Weiss with passion fruit orange and guava um so super popular i mean you see so many beers um it's a really popular combo of of fruits to to put in a beer but honestly between the three um this one is by far my favorite um and even being in december here which i'm you know normally in like a dark beer kind of mood um this is kind of hitting the spot for, for something light and easy drinking. Well, you know, I can still be coherent and talk to you and <laughs> not sound like I'm, you know, a little tipsy on, on the podcast. Sometimes a beer like that too, that is a little more, uh, we'll say summery when you get into this time of year, it almost works better. Cause it like, it brings you back yeah. to memory of, of what a certain time of year is. And so, um, sometimes I appreciate it more drinking something like that this time of year versus um, when it may be more seasonally appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, this one, they, it's actually kind of a cool story. I'm not sure if this was planned to be released or if they kind of did a called an audible, but I saw that they posted um, on social media. These cans are actually rewrapped cans of uh, buzz which is a beer that they release every year for the bunbury festival mm-hmm. obviously did not happen this year so i think that they may and I, again i don't know if it was you know complete audible and they said hey we have to brew something different and package and, and release it and, and wrap the cans or if it was planned and they already had the cans but either way you know places being creative and, and i know sometimes places will get shit for doing stuff like that but they were very upfront about it and they said hey you know it's 2020 it's a pandemic uh you know here's what we did and also there's a crazy can shortage out there right now so places have to be creative and and you know get a little uh you know a little uh uh i guess fickle with with some of their some of their releases and and projects that they're doing well and I, i like that openness about it and the communication with their customers, which Braxton's always been really good about um, trying to tell people why they're doing what they're doing, what it is they're doing, and just kind of exploring that with people and letting people go on that journey with the brewery, let them grow with the brewery too. You know, anytime that something is happening, they're good about really talking about it and saying, you know, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And uh, uh, we'll see what happens next. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah. that's part of what we love about breweries is, you know, especially local spots that you go to frequently is, you know, you love being part of that, that, that journey with them instead of just, you know, walking into some kind of factory where you buy your product and then go home, you know? Yeah. Um, so so much to unpack about Braxton and I, I hate to be like, you know, reading off their Wikipedia page, but I, they have so many cool things, you know, and we'll kind of hit some of these quickly, but one of the things that I think not a lot of people realize about Braxton and, and why they've been so successful and, you know, they, from the way that they've run the company from me, at least has always been very smart. Like they look at what the the market is they look at what what's happening and in, in not only in craft beer but beer in general um and and i think that a lot of that is comes from their coo greg who's actually their father who has a background uh, worked at dunhumby which is kroger's kind of analytics wing and then transformed into 8451 but they always have had that you know being an analyst myself you can definitely see that they are you know positioning themselves in the correct spot in the market and I think that they're not afraid to not necessarily chase because that's, that's different than saying, Hey, we actually strategically plan this out, but they, they're, they've always been front, uh, front and center and foremost and, and giving their customers what they want. And they've also been very smart in, you know, their original IPA. Uh, um, and I can't remember the name of it now, but I know that the, the new, Crankshaft yeah. is the original. Yeah. The new one is called Revamp. And they knew that, hey, we're kind of underperforming in this. Let's maybe it's a, you know, they, they listen to customer feedback, whether that was just from an analytics standpoint, you know, the the Nielsen numbers and saying, hey, we're 
underperforming in, in IPAs versus our competitors and maybe people don't like it and we should, you know, revamp the the beer, which is the the replacement. But uh, you know, it's it's been really interesting from an analytical standpoint. And that's always for me, I was looking like looking at the business side of of places and seeing um, you know, how they operate and, and whether it's throwing stuff at the wall, which a lot of places, you know, especially in the beginning, it, it that's true. And, and, you know, any sort of startup, a lot of times that's, that's the case, but they've always been very tactical in their moves and, and very analytical. And, and they've been ahead of a lot of people on, on some of the, the trends and that's what's helped make them successful. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, they've approached, starting a brewery differently than I think anybody and I'll say at the time that they started anybody else had really done they 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 really did approach it from this part where they took the idea of a brewery broke it down to its to its pieces um and then kind of rebuilt it in the way that they thought it needed to be there were smarter ways to and they they did borrow things from other places that kind of had figured some of that out but um put it together the way it was supposed to be from day 1 they really built this thing from the ground up into um, into the machine that it's become of, of Braxton, which is a huge machine at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I was like seeing, you know, the, the kind of awards and, and things that they win. So 2018, they were actually named Brewbound's rising star of the year, um, which is cool. And then this year, um, not necessarily a not a subjective award but an objective award they were named as the fourth fastest growing brewery craft brewery in the u.s for 2019 they increased their production last year 96 percent to 23,500 barrels and a, a big part of the a big part of that which of course we have to talk about it uh, the elephant in the room is is because of vive which is their hard seltzer um they released uh i think they released it in 2019 obviously and and they became one of the first sort of regional local craft seltzers uh, going up against your white claws and your trulies and and all the other ones that have <laughs> uh, infiltrated the shelves now and and listening to your show um, I, wish I had my list sitting here i've been working on a uh, on a seltzer show for a very long time and um, part of that was to try as many seltzers as i could possibly get my hands on not understanding what i was getting myself into <laughs> i think i think the current count is up to like 90 something different seltzers that i've tried and every single week a new one comes out i'm like well i'm not done yet i got to try yeah, that yeah. one so many seltzers <laughs> is that 96 brands or 96 flavors like 90, i think it, like flavors so okay um, they're like you know white claw i think there's you know probably 20 something in in that list of them that i've tried something like that you know yeah uh, but yeah there's there's a lot of seltzer out there <laughs> but I, yeah. but braxton finally figured it out those the last two flavors they have released have been just phenomenal the uh, the pumpkin spice and the apple spice <laughs> yeah and and that's you know something that hasn't really hit the seltzer category yet is seasonals and i think again they they looked at the data and said hey you know seltzer is such like a summer you know late spring summer maybe early fall um and they realized like, hey, we have to come up with some seasonal flavors if we want to can, you know, want to have this, you know, be able to continue to produce seltzer. Just seeing like the the person that I know in my life that is the seltzer drinker is my wife. And, you know, we have a, a an outdoor patio and, and, and throughout the summer, she'll sit out there every, you know, Friday, Saturday night and only drink seltzer. Whereas me, I'm always drinking beer and, and I don't think she's touched a seltzer in like a month. So obviously it's very seasonal. Um, she loved the pumpkin spice, by the way. I was, and I love pumpkin things, but for me it was like, eh, like, I don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> it was weird because I always think of like pumpkin flavor as like comfort food. And I think of seltzer as summer. So it kind of, I think that those two things were clashing for me. Right. I'm I'm really excited to try the uh, the the I think it's apple cinnamon, right? Apple cinnamon, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to try that. I'm kind of surprised they didn't do like a cranberry Christmas flavor, but I think apple cinnamon c- can get you through like January, whereas cranberry is like Christmas and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, they, I I know that they, you know, pumpkin spice was definitely almost an ex- not an experiment it was it started i think as a joke in the tap room that they were going to do it and evan would kind of play with it every once in a while trying to find something that actually worked and when 
they got when they tasted good. Um, they, I don't know, and I could be speaking out of turn here a little bit. Um, I don't know that they intended on releasing it to the scale that they did, but some of the, uh, the discussions they had with some of their retail partners, we'll say that, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. kind of convinced them to, uh, to go ahead and do it. And then that was so popular that it kind of convinced them, okay, maybe this idea of doing different flavors like that is something we could do. So that's kind of fast-tracked some of the uh, the experiments, I guess, that they were working on, some of the fun stuff that they were playing around with. Yeah, and, and it makes so much sense, too. I mean, you look at the, the beer market in general. Beer is so seasonal. Um, you know, obviously you have beers that are going to sell throughout the year, like lagers are probably going to sell throughout the year. IPAs are going to sell throughout the year, but most other beers have a season, whether it's uh, one weekend, like, like Bach, a Bach beer, which is for me, it's like the first weekend of March. Like that's the only time I ever drink Bach beer, but uh, whether, or it's Oktoberfest or Christmas beers or, or pumpkin beers, beer is so seasonal and, and it, it would only make sense that seltzer would be seasonal as well. And, and there, if you look at their lineup, it's, it's kind of built around a few core beers and then a lot of seasonals and specialties as well. It's kind of become the, uh, uh, I guess the formula for breweries though now is that you, you, you know, you lean into the, the seasonals because it gets people in the door. They, they want something new. They want something exciting and uh, seltzer. I don't, I don't know if they've figured that out yet. I think that Seltzer is still so new that they haven't really um, kind of cracked that code of what um, what what Seltzer drinkers might actually want. You just have to yeah. get those right flavors out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't drink, I don't want to drink lime seltzer all year round. I want something else. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big lime seltzer, but I would hard hard pass for me right now in december on lime <laughs> seltzer <laughs> not when i've got a, a cellar full of dark shards <laughs> exactly um so let's quickly go through kind of their lineup and, and we'll hit some of the highlights but obviously they have their core lineup which is uh storm which is a cream ale um cincinnati area and ohio specifically are, are very well known for cream ales uh mm-hmm. they have uh, garage beer which is kind of their light lager um and then two ipas they have tropic flare which is new england and then revamp and ipa so three out of their four you know year-round beers right there are are basically the styles that i mentioned and then kind of a first cousin and a cream ale to it to a lager um but four you know super solid beers and i know that they i think that twisted bit used to be a core beer but they i think they switched it out for for garage beer if i'm not mistaken sort so Twisted Bit was a core beer, and then um, Dead Blow was a core beer for a while. Um, and and that th- the way their lineup looks, I think, changed a lot. They again talking about kind of that beer drinkers wanting something new. I think a lot of the uh, um, the core lineup shifted to make way for seasonals and for kind of one off yeah. things. But. Um, then they have their their seasonals, uh, the Trip series, which they've got Summer Trip and Winter Trip, which I mentioned. Uh, October Fuel, their Oktoberfest, uh, Haven, which is the wheat beer, I think comes out in the spring, uh, Jam Session, which is more of a, a summer beer, and then the white IPA, which I think is winter, which is called Spotlight. Um, but again, another super, you know, super flexible group there. You've got a little bit of everything. Um, obviously not really a, a dark beer, but they do have plenty of dark beers um, on their on their lineup. Um, yeah, that's- that's the the brilliance of a place like Braxton too, is that multiple tap rooms, huge tap lineups in each of those tap rooms, whatever style you want, it's probably there. <laughs> you know, it may <laughs> yeah. not be part of that, that normal lineup for them, but it's probably at least on tap. And um, if not in some kind of one-off packaging, because even, even aside from the core and the seasonal stuff, they're still knocking out packaging constantly. I mean, out of labs, they're putting out, you know, a, a four pack every, every week, I think, yeah, it <laughs> you know, seems that way. A, um, uh, there's, there is something for everybody. Yeah. And, and the specialty kind of category, obviously I would be remiss if I didn't mention their multiple collaborations with graders and having been in Cincinnati since 2014, there have been two times where I feel like craft beer was kind of front and center in in the city. The first was the Team Fiona, the first Team Fiona release from Listerman. And the second was the first uh, Graders release, which was the Black Raspberry Chip 
uh, release from Braxton. Like I remember both of those were huge and they kind of crossed over from this niche world of, of craft beer into everybody wanted that, those beers and, and they, you know, those, they were crazy. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, well, first of all, go go ahead, but yeah, (laughs) I just, it's, and 2020 has thrown a wrench into everything and kind of slowed down some stuff that was happening or shifted some things that were probably happening. But this merging of, the normal world and then the world that the rest of us craft <laughs> drinkers live in is is you're starting to see that more and more and more often you're starting to see those releases um be it you know fiona or graders or you know the Taft did the frishes release this year like you're see, yeah. starting to see these releases where there's people showing up to get the beer and you start talking to them and you're like oh you know and what, what kind of beer do you typically drink? Oh, I don't like beer. <laughs> well, why are you here? I just, I, I love, I love graders or I love this or I love, oh, I just love Fiona. I love that little hippo. You know, it's whatever that thing is, it's getting people in the door. And then once they're there and they start trying things like, oh, I, I do like beer. I just didn't like that beer. And so it's starting to open that door to even more people coming. And that's always been happening, but it's, it's happening in a very different way. Now it's, um, it's, it's getting to the core of other things about people's personality, be it their love for a hippo or um, some kind of flavor that they like with something else, you know, it's starting to showcase these other sides of what craft beer is, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's huge. And we talked a lot about that with uh, when we, uh, on our fretboard episode where fretboard has done these unique collaborations with Bootsy Collins and Klosterman uh, uh, Bakery and, you know, some fun things that are, are kind of outside the box that get people talking about it and get people thinking about like, hey, craft beer does some some really cool things. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite things about Braxton is they have different options too and more four different tap rooms and they all kind of have their own identity but still have kind of a loose connection as well like every one of them feels like braxton when you walk into it and it's it's kind of difficult to describe that like but they've got like their you know kind of their like um like a navy blue uh coloring with like the the gold and and um and and uh and their logo but also every location also has a unique feel like uh, labs you get that it really feels like you're in a laboratory and, and you're part of some crazy science experiment and they've got the beakers for the tasters and it's in the back of party source and it feels like it's like this afterthought of like um you know somebody some crazy scientists threw this together and they're you know you can see the the uh, brew house and the, and and everything looks super clean and super white and like you're in like a science lab um and and that was uh, obviously their takeover of um uh, the former eight ball location and in, in party source party source which party source which is in bellevue um then they opened up a kind of warm and inviting location that feels like you're in a barrel room like you're more in a distillery than a brewery and they call it their barrel house they've got tons of barrel aging in the basement it's a former grocery store but it feels super warm and inviting um, and then this year in 2020 moved across the river and opened up in the former three points location uh, in Braxton Cincinnati but I feel I three points I think for a lot of people that were into like kind of the artsy side of beer and and kind of that semi like hipster feel I think a lot of those people were upset to have to lose three points because it was something cool and different but they kept a lot of those same vibes and same feeling but then made it uniquely Braxton as well and and I feel like that's been from a taproom standpoint that's been their their huge success you know in opening up four places that that are similar yet each have their own identity well it's it's really hard to open multiple tap rooms that close to each other and give them all their own unique personality while still staying on brand. And sometimes they do it so well that I don't know how conscious it is when they do it. I feel like it just kind of happens. I'm like, Oh man, that was, that was really cool. How you did this and this and this. I'm like, did you mean to do it? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's so well done. But I mean, even down to like, you talk about the branding of what Braxton is that, you know, look at the logo and the colors you walk into, you know, 
their HQ down in Covington and it incorporates all of it. It's this, it's this palette of all of them from the gold to have, you know, wood floors when you walk in to the, the blue on the walls and the, the concrete pillars and like all of those colors are there. And then you walk over to labs and it leans really heavy into the, the gray part of, of all of that, the, you know, the, the, the concrete and the, the whites. And like you said, that kind of almost, I don't want to call it sterile, but that sterile kind of lab feeling of what that is, but it's still, Braxton colors and then you walk over to the barrel house and it leans into this this golden rich kind of brown like it's it's the 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 the, the brown side of the the the, the colors in, in HQ and then you go over to um you know Cincinnati the tap room up there and it leans more into like the the richer blues and the um it's more of like a there's a lot of earthy kind of stuff going on there and um there is still lots of gray going on but it's you know it it just it's so they all have this really distinct personality that is a piece of Braxton. And I, that's really, really difficult to do. And I don't know how many people like appreciate that when you walk into some of these tap rooms, if you have a certain type of tap room that you want, Braxton is trying to create that space for you to call home. You can still walk in and order a storm at any one of these places and sit and drink it and drink the same beer but your experience of drinking it is very different depending on which place you're in. Yeah. And the, the thing I always think about too, with, with Braxton is even though they have four locations and they're all pretty, you know, basically in greater Cincinnati, I feel like for me having been to all of them there, there's a, I feel like I would get a different experience at each one of them. And there's a reason for me to go back to each one of them individually, not just say, Hey, this one's closest to me. I'm always going to go to that one. Like I think in, you know, some of the, some of the places that opened up multiple locations in the past, like, and I'm thinking like nineties, early two thousands, like, like a, a rock bottom brewery or a BJ's brew house or a thirsty dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like those type of places that opened up multiple locations, all they, they tried to make them all the same. Whereas I think now the, the, generation the way that the world is moving now like it it makes sense to make all of them you know different and unique because people aren't necessarily looking for the same every time they go to a tap room like some of the plate like you know we have 70 plus tap rooms um in cincinnati what you know no matter how many how you count number of breweries we have that many tap rooms places right. you can go that are connected to a brewery or you know whatever but each one of them i think has such a different feel and vibe and and there's so many different places that you can go to to get great beer and different beer like i was just at and and not to go off too much on a tangent but i went to this past weekend northern row which is an otr which is an old you know 1890s building the uh, you know big brick building beautiful wooden floors um you know traditional you know kind of german style beers and then went right up the street into walnut hills which is this building that's a 1920s art deco building you know super uh vibrant neighborhood um that is is definitely you know kind of changing what it was you've got like minority owners you've got people that look different in there and they're brewing you know a lot of classic german styles but also you know sort of turning that into kind of a modern feel with the brewery and they're like a mile and a half away from each other Well, and that's that's part of what makes Cincinnati so fun, though, is that it, it we have these these weird little pockets of stuff that are so close to each other, but so vastly different too, and and almost the culture of what that spot is. Like you get just these different. Like the neighborhoods of Cincinnati is what makes Cincinnati. It's not it's not just downtown Cincinnati. Our city is as much. Um, you know, OTR as it is, hell, as it is Covington, you know, that is, I don't care what anybody says that's yeah. Cincinnati, you know, if, and, you know, as much as it is, you know, Milford or as it is, you know, Mason, like that's all, those are all things that make Cincinnati what it is. And, and you know, I'm sure that's true in other cities too, but um, that's, that's, that's what makes it special here. And so the, you know, the tap rooms hopefully keep kind of representing that too in their own way and showing these different personalities. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm from Columbus, you know, which is a city that is a little bit newer than Cincinnati. Um, but I doesn't have as much of 
and I, I I'm I'm from Columbus, so I can I guess I can can say whatever I want about it, but it doesn't have that like as much like different unique character of different areas. Like I feel like you like the place the the different neighborhoods don't necessarily as much. You've got a few neighborhoods where they kind of you know are unique feeling and and you get like a that kind of vibe, but not as much in in Columbus as well. Like I think Cincinnati and actually Pittsburgh. Uh, are very similar type cities where you've got such unique different like it's very neighborhood based um and each area each neighborhood kind of really buys into that neighborhood and people are proud of their neighborhood and people are um excited to have like their own craft brewery and and you know bar down the street and they've all got their own little pizza joint that they love um but that's one of the things that, you know, living in Cincinnati, I've, I've really loved. But uh, I think, again, Braxton is, is and there are so many things to talk about with Braxton. And we feel like we've just scratched the surface. You've done a ton of, of podcasts and articles and things like that on Braxton. Um, your website is always a fantastic resource. So talk about the website. Talk about, obviously, the podcast. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just it, anything else you want to talk about? So when I when I started the website, there were a lot of bloggers here in Cincinnati. There was uh, there, some of them were fantastic. Some of them were were <laughs> some of them were fantastic. <laughs> and and the problem though for me as a craft beer fan and like a, a a geek, like I I'm a geek about notes about things. I like taking notes and I like tracking stuff. And I could never find one source for all of the stuff. If you wanted to know about history. Uh, you had to go here. If you wanted to know about the latest releases, you had to go here. If you wanted to read about, you know, events, you had to go here. It was all in these different places. And so I, when I started the website, it was really kind of just for me. And, you know, the website is the gnarly which is a whole other story. If you want to hear the story, I think I, I think I dove into it a little bit on fretboard TV. If you listen to my interview on there, um, just get onto their YouTube page. And I think you can kind of hear a little bit about that, but um, it, it, it was supposed to be this place where everything came together. Um, I since in the years since then have realized that that is a huge undertaking. <laughs> Still have only scratched the surface of getting what I consider everything on there. The history side of the website, there's some on there if you could go digging, um, but I've only started to scratch the surface of kind of putting kind of Cincinnati's beer history on, on the website. Um, uh, you talked about the podcast, Cincy Brewcast, um, if you want all this information in audio form, I want that to be there. If you want it all in video form, I want that there. So there's the YouTube page, you know, that's just trying to, trying to get all of it in one spot for people is an obsession of mine. It's, um, it's not about, it's not about the traffic. It's not about running ads. You'll, you'll never see an ad on the gnarly There might be sponsored things, but you'll never see a, a, a banner ad or something like that. Um, it's, it's just about creating this place for people to go where there is a, a record of everything. You know, if you a hundred years from now, if you want to know what happened in Cincinnati beer, there will be a record of what happened in Cincinnati beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, just, a, as a, 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 uh, user of the website, when I first decided to go to every brewery in Cincinnati, not in one day, but, uh, which well, I don't recommend, that. <laughs> but I decided, uh, we, you know, my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, we decided, Hey, let's do a winter project. Let's go to every brewery in Cincinnati. And then we started looking around and, and the only, uh, resource that we could find that I thought, you know, looked like, Hey, like this is all of them. It is, you know, everyone that I've seen from anywhere, there's not one missing randomly. There's not one randomly in Wilmington, which I know that there are debates about <laughs> Cincinnati, but Wilmington is not Cincinnati. I struggle with Wilmington yeah. and Springboro. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you I'll give you Middletown, but not not uh, Wilmington, maybe Springboro. Um, but anyway, that that was like our, you know, our list of like, hey, this this guy clearly knows knows what he's doing. And this seems like greater Cincinnati and, and we started checking off the list and, and, you know, I just became a huge fan of, of the website and, and how, you know, up to date it was and things like that. And running my own website now, I know how much work it is and I know um, what a crazy undertaking and, and, you know, and you know, I've, I've done blogging and, and podcasting and, and from a whole different side of the aisle from the MMA, from the MMA world for, 
for a long time and, and knowing just what a thankless job uh, that is because, you know, you get people kind of come to you as the source and you're like, I'm not really any sort of uh, <laughs> any sort of trusted source. I just happen to be the guy who started doing this. And, uh, and I, that's what I have always kind of really respected about what you've done and, and kept, you know, kept kind of the, the authenticity of it and, and kept that side of it as well. And it's, it's been just a, a great resource for me. Well, I appreciate that. It's um, I'm, I'm okay being, the source. I think I've I've settled into that. Okay. If you want to know what is out there, I I I feel confident in saying that I'm the source in that. If you want to know my opinion on beer, I don't trust me on anything. What I like is not what <laughs> you're gonna like. It's it, you know, it's we're all different in the things that we like. And I think a lot of um especially with beer bloggers, I think it's the, the, maybe it's shifted a little bit over the years, but I think that there was a a time where beer bloggers thought they had to tell you what was good and what was bad and i don't think that's that's definitely not the role of the gnarly gnome the gnarly gnome is just to tell you what's there and just get you to go drink all of it (laughs) just go try everything and make up your own mind it's not (laughs) it's not about what i think or what i want or what i enjoyed it's just about everything well from from my experience people love a top 10 list but which will be your most viewed you know, article, but it'll also be the one where people give you the most uh, yeah. flack for. So uh, yeah, those are fun and it gets people talking, but uh, again, nobody yeah. cares. Like I always do. And, and, you know, I like follow you on untapped and I know that you don't really rate any of the beers and, and which is, is completely, everyone should do exactly what they want to do. Like with, with rating for me, <laughs> I rate, I rate I, beers and, and I, I go back. I, a, I had Greg uh, Avola from Untapped, the founder yeah. of Untapped. I had him on Cincy Brewcast, and I asked him. I said, "Greg, I I've been struggling over the years trying to, you know, I don't want to be this thing that stops people from drinking a beer because I didn't like it, or vice versa, get somebody to drink a beer that they probably aren't going to like just because I said it was the best beer ever." I said, "So I stopped rating beers. Am I am I doing this wrong?" And he looked at me and he said, well, yeah, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so the way I do on tap is, is wrong from the source. <laughs> it's definitely wrong. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, my, my funny thing is I'll drink a beer and, and, you know, go back. I, I like untapped because it's my, you know, so I put every single beer that I drink in there, which is for me, it's sometimes, even if I have like a sip of it and sometimes I go back and I'm like, wow, I was crazy. I only thought this was a, a, 2.75 like this is way better than that and you know I, I get mad at myself sometimes for my rankings and that's you know for me it, a lot of times it's a how do I feel about that beer in that moment in time because I think that that always changes like hey right now any like even this this like road trip like in the summer might be hey this is a four right now it's a, a 2.75 uh, you know just throwing numbers out there but yeah way even deeper than that you could take that same beer and you could be drinking it right here sitting and talking to me and and feel one way about it and then you can walk in the other room and sit down on the couch with your wife and watch a christmas movie or something and drink that same beer and it changes the beer what the the situation that you're in changes the way the beer tastes i don't care what anybody says the beer is different and so your rating will change based on what's happening around you and that's okay and we need to all like get used to that and accept it and embrace it and 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 use that to our enjoyment of craft beer yeah and uh you know we've gone a little bit far off on the on the tangent but uh yeah love uh (laughs) i gotta be back on uh on cincy brewcast again soon so that we can go off on some of those crazy crazy maybe we just need to to sit and and talk like this for for an hour and and have some beers and say like ah you know like crazy (laughs) all drunk guys at the at the bar and and um but yeah i i definitely miss those days where we could you know sidle up to a bar and, and start talking about beer with people. But uh, hopefully those, those days will be back soon and so, they will be at, at, at Braxton and, and all the other great breweries. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I know that you are the gnarly gnome on everything. Literally um, you have a, a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> you have a Patreon. So, so go support uh, the gnarly gnome. Um, it's, it's a, an awesome source and, uh, yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for talking about Braxton. I, I know that, uh, there's, there's going to be some awesome new dark charge. If, if you want to try to go out and get dark charge this weekend, go grab some. If not, I know they always have, uh, the variants released throughout the years, definitely at barrel house and 
sometimes you'll see them at, at some of the other locations as well. But uh, that is is a, a high quality beer that I, that I love. So uh, so go check them out. They are definitely all on tap this weekend at, and depending on when you're listening to this, I guess we should say it's, it's a podcast. People could be listening to this <laughs> in years. Um, it, they're all on tap the weekend of Dark Charge Day at the the Covington location with very limited seating. The rooftop is open and the little tiny patio out front is open because Kentucky has shut everything down. And then Braxton, Cincinnati, they are still throwing Dark Charge Day. They'll all be on tap there. You can try them all. Um, they will be on tap for a little while, I'm assuming. So if you stop during the week, you can probably get it there too. Yeah. And, you know, my, <laughs> I always try to talk about as many things as possible. We didn't talk about the rooftop and the expansion and the igloos and, and crazy stuff. But look up Braxton if you are, whether you're in Cincinnati and you haven't been there, if you're from out of town and, and you're you're looking at, you know, breweries um, and, and where to visit in Cincinnati, check them out. Um, they're, they're an awesome brewery. But uh, thank you, Gnarly Gnome, for joining me. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you. Cheers. you about my newest sponsor which is the original craft beer club with the craft beer club club members can choose from 12 or 24 bottles a month of four different beer styles and select the frequency of delivery monthly quarterly or every other month at craftbeerclub.com there's never sign up or monthly fees or an obligation to continue club members can cancel anytime for any reason use the link in the show notes to get free shipping in the continental u.s and up to three free gifts.